You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click Donate. In the story, this king's passion is for profit. Uh, the God that Jesus describes at the heart of the kingdom was, was passionate not about profit, but about people. And Jesus' kingdom of God, it, it was a community where, where people were valued over profit, where people were valued over property and over power and over privilege. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 240 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee might have to offer us today in our work of survival, resistance, liberation, reparation, and transformation. Our title this week is taken from Q Scholarship. This is our next to the last saying in this series uh, in the uh, what's it's called the Sayings Gospel Q. And uh, the title is The Parable of the Entrusted Money. Now, the, our feature text and our companion text are quite long. This is probably the longest uh, text in NQ. Uh, so just bear with me. It, uh, it, it's Sayings Gospel Q 19, 12 through 13, 15 through 24, and then 26. A certain person on taking a trip called 10 of his slaves and gave them 10 minus and said to them, do business until I come. After a long time, the master of those slaves comes and settles accounts with them. And the first came saying, master, your mina has produced 10 more minus. And he said to them, well done, good slave. You've been faithful over a pittance. I will set you over much. Uh, over much. Uh, the second came saying, master, your mina has earned five minus. He said to him, well done, good slave. You've been faithful over a pittance. I will set you over much. And the other came saying, master, I knew you that you are a hard person. Reaping where you did not sow, gathering from where you did not winnow, and scared, I went and hid your mina in the ground. Here you have what belongs to you. He said to him, Wicked slave, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and I gather from where I have not winnowed. Then you had to invest my money with money changers, and at my coming, I would have received what belongs to me plus interest. So take from him the mina, and give to the one who has the ten minus. For to everyone who has will be given, but from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Matthew 25, 14 through 15, 19 through 29, a little bit easier to read. And uh, the, the NIV, it says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey, and after a long time the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. The master replied, well done good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, hard harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. 
And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have, have will be taken from them. And Luke 19, 12 through 13, 15 through 24 and verse 26, he said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. A little bit different uh, details here. So he came, so he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minus. So now it's not three, it's 10 servants. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. He was made king, however, and returned home. And then he sent for his servants to come, to whom he had given the money to come in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then the other servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in, and you reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I'm a hard man, taking out what I did not put in, reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minus. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. And lastly, really short, Gospel of Thomas 41, Jesus says, whoever has something in his hand, something more will be given to him, and whoever has nothing, even the little that he has, will be taken from him. Sometimes I have trouble, uh, if we're going to be completely transparent this week. I have trouble with the stories that Jesus chose to use. And and I, I don't like the story in this week's saying at all. Scholars tell us that, that Jesus chose the stories that would have been familiar to his audience. And our society today we are two millennia removed from that world. And sometimes Jesus' stories, uh, they seem problematic to us. And and before I explain that, let me share an experience that I had recently. I'll get back to this, the problematic nature of some of Jesus' stories. But uh, before before that, I want to share an experience I had recently that that relates to our saying this week. I was listening to an interview of a of a college economics professor who was critiquing the contradiction that's at the heart of capitalism. And at the core of capitalism is the drive to produce more capital or profit from either a product or a service. And in one of many ways that owners can achieve this profit is by keeping their expenses as low as possible, just common sense. Now, this, this, these expenses, um, expenses include the cost of labor or, or the wages that owners pay their employees. And the less the workers are paid, the more profit one has in the end. But th- that's that, there's the contradiction. The wages that are being kept low, those are the same funds that most workers need to buy the product or the service that 
they produce. So if wages are too low, no one can, no one can afford to buy uh, any of the services or products, and then the owners, they won't make any profit at all. So this contradiction, it morphs into a balancing act between too much profit for the 1% and not enough money for the, the masses to survive or, or, or not enough to profit to keep the 1% happy, but there's now more surplus among the masses that, than the, the 1% feel that they should have. So it's this tug of war between the wealthy's desire to profit and the masses' desire to survive with a, a good and decent quality of life. In our system here in the U.S., this balance is achieved, it's attempted at least, uh, through uh, government regulations and taxes. Theoretically, uh, as the masses gain too much surplus, um, those in the 1%, they call for, for less business regulation and less taxation of their corporations or profit. And on the flip side, when corporations and the 1% are gaining too much profit, um, the masses begin to call for, for the wealthy to pay their fair share of taxes, quote-unquote, and to, to redistribute the wealth or, or regulate uh, these earnings in, in other ways, like, like raising minimum wage, for example, so that the masses aren't crushed by the drive of the 1% to, to, to produce profit. But, but again, to keep wages low enough to produce profit, uh, people need higher wages to, to purchase those profits and services. So capitalism, it never will escape this contradiction and the cycle of struggle between the workers and those who profit from, from their labor uh, that this tug-of-war produces. Um, capitalism will never escape that. In, in the 1960s and 70s, we saw capitalists feeling like society was moving too far toward favoring workers here in the U.S. And, and, and they went to work. They, they wanted more profit. And, and with it also, remember, was the exclusion of, of people of color from, from public services. If you'd like some more history on that, um, we, a few months ago, one of the books that we recommended for our monthly reading course uh, was the book uh, White Rage. Um, and you can go back and find that. It's an excellent book. But they, they wanted more profit with its exclusion of people of color from the public services. And since Nixon and, and Reagan, we've seen a steady move toward benefits for Wall Street in our society and the 1% and, and those that are motivated by profit. And now we're experiencing a, a, a reawakening towards concern for the working class again. You can see that in, 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 in what's happening in, in United States politics, at least the, the, the pushback to the other side. And this cycle, it'll repeat over and over over and over, and many believe that there has to be an alternative to this cycle, an alternative that produces a safe, a more just, a more compassionate society uh, for everyone. And as I was listening, the, the interviewer asked the professor, how does capitalism exploit workers or employees? And he, he responded, it's quite simple. Let's say an employer agrees to pay a worker $20 an hour. For that employer to be willing to pay that $20 an hour, they have to believe that that person's labor will actually be worth more than $20 an hour. Once all business expenses have been paid, there has to be a profit to it. 
So the labor which costs $20 an hour has to produce a value that will cover the expenses of the business plus a profit on top. And unless it's an employee-owned business, the worker never receives the full value of their labor, but only a portion of it. This, by definition, this is what he said, is what those opposed to capitalism have called the exploitation of the laborers. Workers never receive the full value of their labor. So with that in the background today, um, let's talk about these problematic stories. Uh, Again, Jesus sometimes uses uh, stories that were familiar to his audience, but stories that are horrendous when they're compared to today's ethical standards. And one example that we can throw out, that we can look at just real briefly, is the story of the rich man and Lazarus, the poor sinner found in in, in Luke's gospel. Post-mortem, the expected roles of where the poor were to go and the rich were to go, well, they're reversed. And the, the rich man ends up in eternal flaming torment while Lazarus resides in Abraham's bosom. But let that register for just a moment. And, and I know the story truth is relevant uh, as far as perception of rich and poor, especially in Luke's gospel, but using the image of eternal torment and the flames of, of the afterlife, that's a horrible choice. That, that's, that, that's a horrible story. Only a few sectors of evangelical Christianity today even subscribe to uh, belief in eternal torment, and it's because of the pure inhumanity of it. Torment is not reconcilable with Jesus' new vision for humanity. And so many Christians today see this story as teaching an economic truth, the rich man and Lazarus, um, but, but they, don't, they, they, they would rather uh, not take it literally, explaining what happens in the afterlife. And you can find it in a passage, Luke 16, 22 through 24, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him away to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away, with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water. Just picture this for a moment and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. That horrible story. Another terrible story is that of, of the manager who, who falsified uh, customers' bills behind the back of the business owner. Um, you remember this story. He was, he was making customers uh, owe significantly less and, and hoping to gain favor with these customers because he was about to be fired. And I don't see anyone recommending this story today as a way for managers to manage the businesses that they work for. So again, this story too is, is problematic. It was a familiar story to Jesus's audience, um, and therefore he used it. He, he used it to make a point about the kingdom. In Luke 6, 13, or 3 through 6, we find it. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master's taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to even dig. And I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I will do, that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors, and he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of oil, he replied. The manager told him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Again, I don't see anybody uh, taking this story literally and calling managers to live like that. Um, there are other applications we can take from this story, and we, we've talked about that story in some of our e-sites. But, but another problem in, in, in the stories that Jesus told is his repeated references, and we bump into that this week, uh, his repeated references to slavery. Uh, before the U.S. Civil War, these 
references, they were these stories, they were used by Christians in the South to say that Jesus actually approved of, of slavery. And I, I would argue that elsewhere, Jesus taught a gospel of, of debts being forgiven and slaves being set free, but, but like we find in, in Luke 4, 18 through 19. But the fact that Jesus used stories that on the surface seemed to say that slavery was a part of his vision for human society, it's deeply problematic. And, and, and one must look deeper at the story uh, and the story truths in those stories of, of of what these uh, these stories that were familiar at the time to arrive at a different conclusion today. And I share all of this to illustrate that Jesus' stories are, at times, they're problematic, while the, the truths that they teach can be timeless. And our saying this week is one of those stories. So what is the horrendous backdrop uh, of our story this week? As I shared in the, the above interview with the professor it's the exploitation of labor through slavery. Here a master leaves money with 10 slaves for them to labor to earn more profit for the master. And, and I often hear from those who oppose social safety nets in society saying those who work or those who don't work shouldn't eat. And this is not just a saying that, that, that capitalists throw out that are against welfare. This was a slogan uh, in the New Testament, uh, but, but it's also not just used by the New Testament and some hyper-capitalists today. It was also used by the socialist Lenin. Um, uh, Lenin saw wealthy capitalists who invested their money um, and to have others labor to earn the investors' profits um, – uh, like in this week's story, and he tagged them as those who aren't working. And this is the kind of master we find in, in this week's story. Remember, it says, you knew, did you, that I'm a hard man taking what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Karl Marx uh, critiqued taking out what someone doesn't put in or reaping where, where they haven't sown in his book, um, um, Capital, in volume one, chapter 13, page 363, he writes, the directing motive, the end and aim of capitalist production is to extract the greatest possible amount of surplus and consequently to exploit labor power to the greatest possible extent. So if one uses this story to say that Jesus approved of capitalism's exploitation of labor, I think it would be almost irreconcilable with Jesus's other teachings that, that teach a, a preferential option for the poor and, and, and exploited laborers. So what was the point that Jesus was trying to make in our saying this week? And as we'll see also in next week's final saying, saying's gospel cue ends with the promise of Jesus's followers receiving stewardship or governing roles over a liberated and restored uh, 12 tribes of Israel. And, and we'll talk about that uh, next week. But, but those who demonstrated that they understood and practiced what Jesus' kingdom was all about, they would theoretically receive larger roles in that new humanity. And is there, is there any application in, in this for us today? Well, 
maybe just as each slave was left with funds that they were expected to use to create more, I think too, each of us today is called to take whatever we have and to invest it in transforming our world into a, a safe, a just, a, 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 a more compassionate home for everyone. But there are significant differences between the story uh, this week and the world that, that Jesus envisioned. In the story, this king's passion is for profit. Uh, the God that Jesus describes at the heart of the kingdom was, was passionate not about profit, but about people. And Jesus's kingdom of God, it, it was a community where, where people were valued over profit, where people were valued over property and over power and over privilege and, and debts were canceled and slaves were set free and prisons were abolished and, and wealth was redistributed more justly. No one had too much while others didn't have enough or didn't even have enough to survive. Jesus's vision was a vision for a human community of, of connectedness and, and cooperation and compassion and distributive justice. And, 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 and that's the backdrop you, we have to read this story on. This may have been a familiar story to his audience in that day, uh, but we're not to take the story literally and be like the master in the sense that we profit from others' labor. We're to be like those who took what they had and they invested it to produce something else. We can take um, the system that we have today and we can transform it. We're called to invest our lives, including our money, in the, the survival, the liberation, the reparation, and the transformation of people's lives, not the making of more profit, but of people. We, we invest um, our own lives in liberating human lives and, and in reclaiming our own humanity too by, by working with those who are daily facing some form of oppression and suffering. So Jesus's vision is of a world, remember, where the hungry are fed, where those who weep now, they laugh, and the poor, they receive it all. You can find this in Luke 6, 20 through 26. And it's it's a world where, as we saw in Luke 4, 4 18 through 19, it's a world whose who's coming into being is good news to the poor, the imprisoned, the exploited, and, and the oppressed. Jesus's reign of God, if I can make it as simple as possible, was about people, not money. It was about life for, for every person, not the exploitation of the masses for the benefits of, of the few. And we're called to use what we have, um, what we've been given, to create a, a world of, of life rather than, than death. And again, Sang's Gospel Q, 19, 12 through 13, 15, 20, uh, 15 through 24 and 26, um, it starts out saying a certain person on taking a trip called 10 of his slaves, and he gave them 10 minuses. Um, again, we all have something that we can invest in making our world uh, a better place. Thanks for checking in with us this week. Uh, remember, another world is possible. Keep living in love, survival, resistance, liberation, reparation, and transformation. I love each of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.